You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. As we do each year, the country is reflecting on September 11th, 2001, this week. Terrorist attacks in New York, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania killed about 3,000 people, and they sent our country in a really new direction, politically, emotionally, and in the way we view the rest of the world and ourselves. But that direction also increased the number of victims of those terrorist attacks at home and overseas. We launched two foreign wars that continue to result in casualties and eat up resources to this day. And within the confines of our own borders, we have viewed each other, especially people of color, with deep suspicion. That suspicion has resulted in raids, intimidation, incarceration, all kinds of unholy outcomes. Each year, the Arab American Museum in Dearborn holds a 9-11 town hall to reflect on that terrible day and these themes. This year's event takes place on Friday at 8 p.m., and it will include storytelling, performances, and a public dialogue, all of which will focus on detention and incarceration. You can find ticket information online at ArabAmericanMuseum.org. Joining us now to talk more about this event is Shireen Azab. She is the director for a performance of Letters from Detention, a play based on the experience of two brothers held on separate floors of a detention center for months after 9-11. Shireen, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thank you for having me. Also with us is Rhonda Anderson. She is the mother of Sawatu Sulamara, a 26-year-old environmental activist and mother from Detroit who was behind bars for brandishing a firearm when she felt threatened by a neighbor. Anderson will speak at the Arab American Museum's 9-11 Town Hall on Friday. Rhonda Anderson, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. So, uh, Shireen, let's start with uh, this this play, uh, Letters from Detention. Uh, tell me about it and tell me about uh, the performance. Yeah, so it's actually a really unique play. Um, it was commissioned by the Center for Constitutional Rights in New York, because there were two Egyptian brothers who were detained after 9-11 uh, for visa violations and held in a detention center in Brooklyn for over 200 days um, with nothing more than a charge against an overstayed visa. Mm -hmm. um, the Center for Constitutional Rights, because they were clients of theirs, uh, had these letters between these two brothers. One was held in solitary confinement, the other was in general population. And they saw an opportunity with these letters to create a play to amplify um, the injustices that happened after 9-11, but mm -hmm. also as an opportunity to um, show lawyers that are doing this type of work what the power, the, how powerful the work that it, they do is yeah. and what they can do. So it's actually a really amazing project that the Center for Constitutional Rights started, and it was written by um, playwrights Jessica Blake and Eric Jensen. Yeah. Um, and so we had the opportunity to do it in Detroit, uh, in Dearborn actually as part of um, Access's MOVE conference, and then um, they decided this would be a great sort of centerpiece around the event on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, title, Letters from Detention, really, I think, uh, puts the spotlight right on the central issue, I think, that, that emerged from 9-11, especially in those first years uh, after it happened, this idea that so many people were uh, incarcerated, uh, held, many times without charge, without access to lawyers. Uh, these stories of the people who underwent that, uh, those injustices are always, to me, just, just harrowing. I mean, you, you always sort of pause, I think, and say, was this happening in the United States? 
Yeah. And what it's, what's, there's an amazing part in one of the letters where one of the brothers says, like, the guards, you can tell they're just so scared of us, um, but we're just regular guys. Right. And like this, this like, you know, fear of difference mm-hmm. um, and especially right after those moments and it continuing today. Um, I just really think that we can that stories like these can really break down and show us our common humanity and remind us who we actually are, that yeah. we're closer to each other than we are farther apart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rhonda Anderson, tell us all about what happened to your daughter. Um, well, it was a beautiful Sunday and we were sitting out on the front porch. Anyway, um, a kind of confrontation that had already occurred between my granddaughter and another young lady, her same age, mm-hmm. kind of escalated and it resulted in uh, an attempt by my daughter, Sawatu, and her sister, Clotine, to talk to this young lady's uh, mother, mm-hmm. you know, trying to uh, squail it, you know. And um, it didn't work. It resulted in a confrontation between my daughter and the young lady's mother, and it just escalated into a rage attack by this young lady. Yeah. And and the result, though, was that your daughter was incarcerated for this, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Um, the girl's mother mm-hmm. attacked us by first she rammed her car into my daughter's car while my daughter's daughter was in the car. Okay. So, of course, that causes us to to get up emotionally and sure. move. And as we did that, this young woman is continuing to use her car as a battering ram, mm-hmm. and she almost hit me. Um, and uh, in order to get the young woman to leave, to stop, my daughter got her gun out of the car, unloaded, and just raised it, telling the young woman to leave. Mm-hmm. And she never left. She she continued to yell and scream and all this other kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And so she was uh, she was arrested and and charged with brandishing a weapon. Is that yes, right? she was. And she's still in, incarcerated. Yes, she is. Yeah. How long has that been? She's been there for close to six months now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so uh, you're going to be talking about this at the at the town hall, but. Uh, how does it fit into this larger issue of how we treat people who are uh, Muslim and how we treat people of color in mm-hmm. this country? Yeah, I think that this situation is not so much that she's Muslim. I think they discovered that after she mm-hmm. practices Islam. Mm-hmm. That was something that was just discovered afterwards. I think this is mostly because she's a, a black woman. This is about race. Right, and that uh, she attempted to protect herself, and she's suffering the consequences of that. Her actions of drawing that gun, mm-hmm. uh, kind of standing her ground, mm-hmm. caused this situation to occur. The courts um, has this practice of um, kind of pushing you to accept a deal, sure. even when you're innocent. Right. And so my daughter believed her innocence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the um, the thing that that I think is frustrating about this story for me is that we we see I mean, if you look at 
videos on YouTube if you look on Google. Uh, you see this kind of thing happen a lot of times when the person brandishing the weapon or sometimes using the weapon is white and mm -hmm. the outcome is not the same. Exactly. Uh, that, that if you think about what your daughter did and how common that is in this country and how how infrequently people get punished for it, it really does speak to the double standards. That, exactly. You know. Exactly. She had um, had an incident when she was on a freeway and uh, a white gentleman was driving next to her and he pulled his gun mm -hmm. on her. Mm -hmm. She went to the police, reported it, and the police came and interviewed this gentleman and he insisted that it wasn't a gun, that it was a phone. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, of course, we, we hope that eventually your, your daughter is, uh, is able to get some sort of justice out of this, uh, out of this situation. But, but I'd like both of you to talk about um, the relationship between these issues, right? The, 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 the issue of the way people of color are treated in this country and the issue of the way uh, people who are of the Muslim faith are treated in this country, they are not discussed. Connected. I mean, these are all sort of uh, part of the same ball of double standard and discrimination that uh, that we live with here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. They're not dissimilar from each other. I mean, I think um, there. To go back to what I was saying, I think that there's a general fear that is amplifying, especially under the current uh, administration mm -hmm. um, that is around that is pitting us against each other and pitting mm -hmm. difference against mm -hmm. each other. And I think that that's a problem that. And actually, it really saddens me around this time, around September 11th, because, you know, I really want to honor the victims. But I think it's a real dishonor to their memory to act in a way that's more like the people that are filled with hate that did those actions mm -hmm. than around coming together and, and bringing justice to um, the people that we share a country with, that we are fellow citizens with. Right. And so I really try to take this time and especially during this town hall to talk about how we can be better and I think that that's one thing that's really special about this event is that after each storyteller there's going to be a call to action mm -hmm. and I think that that's where we as a community can really do something and maybe you can't do all of it but maybe you can do one thing and if everybody does one thing yeah. a little bit more then maybe we're going to increase our greater understanding of yeah. each other. Uh, do you feel uh, as though things are worse now uh, for people of the Muslim faith uh, in this country than they were after 9-11? I mean, given the things that we've seen this president do and talk about in the last two years, has he made it uh, uh, harder, I guess, to, to, to exist and to, to be free than it did even after 9-11? I don't know if it's worse, but I think that there is a danger within the empowerment of people to... Um, be proud of their hate or mm -hmm. or use it as some sort of patriotism. Yeah. Um, and I think we saw some of that during 9-11 as well, but it was, there was um, less of a leader flaring those, or I'm um, making those flames go. Like mm -hmm. I, I feel that there's a little bit more danger around how it's more um, publicly uh, like accepted and and that we have a lot more standing up and fighting publicly to do about it mm -hmm. um so i don't know if it's worse but i think there's definitely shifts in how it's 
it is now publicly in the media and in our daily lives. And how it plays out. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Rhonda, talk about the connection between what we saw after 9-11, what we've seen from the president uh, about the way we treat uh, people of the Muslim faith and the, the historic uh, discrimination and uh, inequity that, that African-Americans face. I think that my um, greatest awareness came as a result of her entering into this prison system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is absolutely, totally uh, dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. It is actually brutal the way, uh, in this instance, women, pregnant women, are treated in this institution. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that she practices Islam was just one of those levels of insensitivity uh, practiced by this system. Mm -hmm. And so when she went in, she wanted to do certain things, to have certain things like a simple Quran or uh, something to wrap her head in her um, prayer uh, cloth uh, rug, and all of that was denied. Um, So she was simply ignored Uh, For all of those reasons, but something that happened to her that was just so, so inhumane was while she was pregnant and she became ill and they took her to the hospital. Mind you, the first 30 days she's in isolation, locked up for 23 hours, only allowed out for Hmm. one hour. She became ill, was hospitalized, and they shackled her. Hmm. They literally chained her to the bed, even while she's being examined. Right. Okay. She has a guard on one side of her, a guard on the other side of her. And the doctor asked, can you unchain her? Can you unshackle her? And she was denied. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's just an incredible experience. And and again, I mean, it's the kind of thing that I think people who find themselves in that situation uh, are facing all the time in this country. Okay, Shireen Azab, director for Performance of Letters from Detention, a play based on the experience of two brothers held on separate floors of a detention center for months after 9-11. Thank you for being here on Detroit today. And Rhonda Anderson, mother of Sawata Salama Ra. (laughs) Sorry, I keep getting that name almost right. (laughs) Uh, 26-year-old environmental activist who's uh, behind bars for brandishing a firearm. Thank you for being here. Also remember to go to ArabAmericanMuseum.org for tickets to this year's Reflections on 9-11 that will take place at 8 p.m. Friday, September 14th. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.